Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911, two man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. This is the last day of January. Boy, time is going by fast. We'll be one day in the at the very doorstep, at the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ for our exit interview, our particular judgment. <clears throat> Don't forget that January is still the the name. It's dedicated to the holy name of Jesus, and so remember to say the name of Jesus in prayer throughout the day. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, be my strength. Jesus, you are my rock. Just say the name of Jesus over and over throughout the day and bring yourself some spiritual spiritual consolation. Paul, are you 10-8, my friend? Oh, yes, yes. And there's no name under heaven and earth that men must be saved than Christ Jesus the righteous. Amen. You know, uh, my son-in-law was telling me this morning. Uh, it's it's what a good practice. He says that what we and what Catholics should do when somebody uses the name of Jesus in vain, uh, what we should do is say when somebody says the name Jesus Christ in in you know just kind of like at the end of a sentence mm-hmm. that we should we should say, uh, oh yeah, he's my Lord and Savior. What about you? I said I thought that was a good <laughs> line. I like that. He goes, oh, yeah. yeah. He goes. He goes, he, he goes, you know, my son, he goes, yeah, we, I just tell him, yeah, he's my Lord and Savior. What about you? And he mm-hmm. goes, and it usually gets them to shut up. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there's something inside all of us, you know, uh, you know, that 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 searches that we're, you know, we're searching for God. You know, uh, what did St. Augustine say? You know, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in in thee, oh, Lord, you know. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Paul, there's something interesting that I saw years ago when I used to run Baker to Vegas where the LA Sheriff's Department, uh, I think I ran it for 10 years in a row. I'd always, wow. I'd always, I'd always, My hero. Out, <laughs> I'd always drive out to Vegas once a year because every, everywhere I worked, I, I made the team, you know, it's a, it's the 20 fastest guys in the station or in the jail. And so I generally, I made the team for 10 years in a row uh, from 83 to 93. I remember when I was, uh, still kind of uh, pushing myself. But in Vegas, I saw this display called Real Bodies at Bally's.com. And even as a young Catholic back in my early 20s, mid-20s, I had a problem with that. It just didn't mm-hmm. sit right with me. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's called Real Bodies at Bally's. These are basically dead people that I'm not sure if every one of them has willed their body to be studied like this, but uh, I, w- I would venture to say, no, they haven't just because many of them in that particular display that was around uh, years ago that you're talking about, they were from China and we know what an oppressive ah. atheistic regime that is. And so they enslave all their enemies. And uh, so I, I, I'd be willing to bet that uh, a lot of them were just, uh, uh, elected by the government per se to uh you know uh to display their bodies <laughs> here's my take paul and then we'll just talk yeah. about it so this exhibition that's in las vegas at bell at i know it's at belly maybe it's other places but it's called real bodies and you mm-hmm. can you can link 
And you can read about it by going to, you know, realbodiesbellies.com if you want to see what I'm talking about, realbodiesbellies.com. Personally, I can't see a baptized Catholic, even a Protestant who's baptized, That's because that sacrament's valid. I can't see a baptized person who's part of the body of Christ donating their body to stand in a Las Vegas hotel until the second coming of Christ. Uh, you know, they have, they're in different positions. Some are like, you know, throwing balls or you know, the bow and arrow or sprinting or something. Playing tennis, yeah. Yeah, so to me, Christ died for our body and soul, not just for our souls. He also died for our body, and so the baptized body, for Catholics, it must be given a dignified burial. You don't put the ashes on an urn and put it in your living room or throw it out in the ocean or put your will your body to be at Bally's in a tennis position for the next 2,000 years. And to me, it's an undignified way for a Christian to end his life. The baptized body must be buried in the ground until the general judgment. And in fact, even even our Lord talks about this, you know, unless a a seed falls and dies, uh, you know, it cannot it cannot it cannot grow. It cannot bloom. Paul, what say you? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Jess, Uh, I'm with you. I'm tracking with you. One hundred one thousand percent, actually. Um, uh, that's why uh, burial is the normal way for Christian burial, because Christ is going to raise our bodies. Uh, so uh, this whole idea that we see, you know, displaying these people, you mentioned just that it was undignified. I like that word because the thing that gives us our dignity is the fact that, well, it tells us in Genesis, <clears throat> And God breathed in man, and man became a living soul. You see, we bear that imago Dei. We bear that image of God, and we're not like the animals, not even close to the animals. We are so far beyond the animals because we bear the image of God, Jess, and we have that dignity has been given to us by God himself. And so when we see tendencies like this, we see these uh and let's look where it came from. It first came from China, so that should tell you something. Communism, humanism, hmm. atheism. Uh, you know, these ideas are exactly opposite of the ideas of the church. That's right. Now, uh, w- there's an organization called the National Catholic Bioethics Organization, and these are Catholic ethicists that weigh in on these moral issues, these deep, complex moral issues especially when it touches on science and medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, do, uh, Father Tad Pacholix, who's also a scientist, he's a PhD in science and a Catholic priest, he runs this institute. I'm going to share some things that he says that, uh, again, we're, I'm tracking with him. He says, as in the assessment of many ethical issues that do not involve intrinsically evil acts, it is necessary to carefully assess the moral object intent and circumstances including motives beyond basic intent a narrow point at issue in this case is whether such an exhibition is truly educational or rather something closer to provocative entertainment i'm going to say mm. that this is provocative entertainment there's nothing educational about them being displayed on bally's you know running sprints or hitting a tennis ball this is provocative entertainment and this is basically to make people again uh 
uh, to me, it's it's just an attack on 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 the existence of the soul. Saying, "Come on, Christians, there's no soul. Look at the body. Once you die, that's all there is, and we're going to put that body on display." Father Tad says, "Not only not only by its nature, but also by its setting, it appears to be more entertainment than education. I find it imprudent." Yeah, I I can see if this was in a science science lab and they're just trying to find a cure for cancer or something like this. But this isn't a Las Vegas hotel. Come on, guys. This isn't science. This is sheer entertainment, Paul. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. to satisfy. It's to satisfy curiosity. You know, it's it's it. it, it I, I liken it to you know Barnum and Bailey's. You know, uh, when they had, used to have their so-called freak exhibits and things back in the day. You know, this is this is this is exactly what this is, Jess. This isn't. Uh, 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 let's face it. The people who are paying to go see this. Uh, they're uh, they're you know they're going simply out of curiosity. Yeah, and, and there, there's also a spiritual belief that ancestors should be laid to rest rather than displayed. That's kind of the Judeo-Christian understanding that the body deserves a dignified burial. My take is this display: the real bodies at Bally's is an undignified display of the human person after they die. Now. Father Ted also says, the bodies are posed, for example, as a rider on a horse, where the body of the horse is also plasticized by removing skin and various layers of musculature to expose internal organs. It is possible to literally look inside the body and see its inner structure. In one exhibit, an expected mother has been cross-sectioned to reveal her unborn child, while in another, a man has been peeled down to his musculature and he carries the skin on his arm like an old raincoat. The mm. exhibit is billed as an educational exhibit, teaching people about the internal structure and organization of their own bodies. As the director of the exhibit phrased it, quote, my aim is to illuminate and educate through the beautiful arrangement of bodies. Yet some people find the exhibit edgy, causing more than a tinge of discomfort. That's me. And they wonder whether there aren't, there aren't ethical concerns associated with putting the human body on display in this way. Paul? Sure. Yeah. Uh, again, I think you did a good job at raising and sounding the alarm on this, Justice. But it, it, to me, this shows uh, how far we've know, fallen, how exactly, far we have fallen. Exactly. We are digressing at a at a at a rate, Jess, that is uh, unbelievable to me. Uh, uh, you know, they say we live in a post-Christian era and it is becoming evident almost in every aspect of of life that is going on out there. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine shared a, a video with me this week, and it just talked about all the things that we've been talking about. It, you know, this was like the, the Ten Commandments, the opposite of the Ten Commandments. And it was, it just talked about all the things like transhumanism and mm. uh, all the, uh, you know, the, the fact that they want to control us, they want to lock us down, this whole vaccine thing. Uh, Eventually, we talked, uh, and I'm jumping around, but remember, we talked about the Georgia Guidestones and how, you know, their I, their idea is, you know, 500 million people. Uh, how do they control the population? They can do it through various ways, but if they control the medical industry, then uh, we're almost there. This is proof in the pudding that they control the medical industry. We'll be right back. Two-man car, Jesus 911. Call on the holy name of Jesus.
now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Two-man car, two Catholics that love the Lord, retired cops, and we're here to speak the truth in charity. This is 911 Jesus. Paul, I just went to grab grab some water, and Anita's listening to the show, and, you know, she mm-hmm. told me something that just... It, she just it just takes my understanding at a deeper level. I'll tell you why I think this is not only secular, Paul, or this misuse of science. I actually mm-hmm. think this is diabolical. You know why? Mm. In, the, in the Catholic Church, we have the exact opposite of this. I hold, I'm holding mm. a book up. It's called The Incorruptibles. In the Catholic faith, we have the remarkable phenomenon of, of the incorrupt bodies of saints that have been dead for hundreds of years, hundreds of saints whose bodies are completely intact and, 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 and they're, buried, they're, they're, they're laying down, they look like they're asleep in a very dignified manner. The Catholic Church treats, treats the dead body in a very dignified manner. You look at the body of these incorruptibles, their bodies, they look like they're asleep. Uh, people say that, the scientists say that when you touch these incorruptible bodies, they're not hard like stone, you know, like like they're not like calcified or or, or petrified like most of us will, will become. Mm-hmm. They're pliable. They're rubbery to the touch like the person's asleep. This real bodies at Bali is a mockery. This is a mm. mockery of the Catholic in- incorruptibles. By the way, there's four ways where I could show you just off the top of my head the uniqueness of the Catholic faith compared to any other religion. No religion has uh, saints of theirs or or holy people of theirs whose bodies are incorruptible. Every single Muslim, Jew, Protestant, their bodies are decomposed. There's not one incorruptible body in any other religion. Check that box. Number two, in the Catholic faith alone, we have... Eucharistic miracles that started since the 7th century where the Lord Jesus Christ deigns from heaven to turn the Holy Eucharist and allow us to see with our eyes and with, and, and with magnifying glasses and with microscopes. He changes the Holy Eucharist into a piece of a human flesh. There's veins, there's human blood running through it. This has happened over 500 times in the Catholic Church since the 7th wow. century. The third thing that sets the Catholic Church apart Mary uh, has been appearing to Catholics, I forget, since the, the first Marian apparition, uh, I think is uh, in the early church to, to St. James the Apostle. But there's been Marian apparitions, and they've been exploding in the last 200 years. Approved Marian apparitions. That happens in no other religion where the Mother of God comes from heaven and gives a message of hope. And the fourth thing, in the Catholic Church, there's another phenomenon. We're over... 400 people documented, over 400 people, like Lazarus, have risen from the dead after being certifiably dead for you know hours or days. Over 400 people, when a priest, anointing of the sick, a saint, uh, a monk, a nun, went to their bedside and prayed for this dead corpse, the corpse came back to life. And, and so, but going back to this topic, Paul, this is a Anita brought up. This is a mockery of the yes. Catholic incorruptibles, Paul. 
What's the yeah? Well, well uh, shout out to Anita because she's uh, she's as usual right on point. You know, Sheesh. hey yeah. Jess, listen, we know this. We know Satan uh, often is he, well. He's known as the great counterfeiter, right? So you know, you know, uh, we had Christ come into the world. We know that eventually. Antichrist is going to come. Well, in this way, uh, you know, uh, uh, the church uh, and God, and the fact that we bear the Imago Dei, uh, it, you know, the human body is so dignified. This is uh, Satan's counterfeit in a way that, you know, uh, to, you know, you talk about the the saints that were were, were preserved uh, just uh, you know beautifully uh, as, you know to to build up our faith you know this is Satan's attempt to try to uh, display the human body like I said as nothing more than an animal but at the same time in a way uh, you know uh, give it some sense of eternal life <laughs> yeah you... it's a it's fake eternal life yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, Fake science is yeah life. yeah science is going to preserve your body by putting you on display in Las Vegas. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Now don't don't get me wrong. The church has encouraged, uh, you know, people donating their bodies to science, and uh, and and there there's no doubt that there's many people that think that their bodies might be used in a medical school setting. But this Paul is not what people signed up for. I don't think this is a no. com um, a commercial use of the human body which is far removed from medicine and I, i've read that some of the vendors are actually quite shady in las vegas and so it's essential that people realize as catholics carefully what we do with our bodies and of our loved ones as when they die because the body is meant to be buried in the ground according to the church's teachings so that we can rise again from the dead when Christ comes back. Amen. And we, and we Amen. hear the trumpet of the archangel. Preach we it, hear, brother. We hear the voice of our master. My Preach sheep it. hear my voice. Yes. And I call them. Indeed. And I give them eternal life. And no one snatches them out of my hand. That, oh, yeah. what, that's what we're waiting for, Paul. But what, what I see at Real Bally's, even as a young guy, remember... Again, like I told you, when I was going to Vegas every year for 10 years, from 83 to 93, when I was running that law enforcement race called Baker to Vegas, uh, and I would see this, I said, this is nothing but a carnival attraction. Yes. Th th Let me tell you something. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, my mom has been dead for now for, um, well, she's alive in Christ. but she Amen. Has, you know, she has left this world uh, uh, yeah. a year ago. And it was her birthday on January 27th. And my brothers, you know, uh, they sent out a picture of my dad sitting in his lawn chair, you know, at my mom's grave. Uh, and, and, and it brings him so I talked to him and he, and, he, and he said it just brings him so much peace and consolation to just go out there and just uh, he knows where my mother is. He knows that. But he also, he, you know, it, it just brings him comfort to just uh uh, you know, be yeah. right there at her graveside. Uh, what a beautiful sight. What what an opposite picture of what we see going on and what we're talking about. Gosh, Paul, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, for the purpose of the audience, I'm going to give them something that's going to really bless them. Okay. Our, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, he spoke in a, in, 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 a, in a language called Aramaic, which is a cousin language to Hebrew. Mm -hmm. The word death in Aramaic is pronounced M-U-H-T. It's pronounced moot. 
That's the way you say mm. death in Aramaic. So our Lord said that many times. Like he said, uh, you know, Lazarus is not moot. What, is mm-hmm. moot. what does moot mean in Aramaic? Here's what it means. And it's, you just said it right now. Mm-hmm. It, it means to be present elsewhere and not right here. Mm. That's that's what the word moot means. Death means in Aramaic. Moot means it means to be present elsewhere. That's right. And not right here. So that's your father, right. your father knows that his wife is moot. He knows that she's present elsewhere. Yes. In the presence of Almighty God and not yes. here. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Bible clearly says the body turns to dust from whence it came. God formed us from the dust of the earth, right? But the soul returneth to God who gave it, Jess. So, yeah, every Catholic should just, uh, every Christian out there, Catholic or Protestant or or other Christian, you know, should just uh, comfort themselves knowing that God is the one who, and not one day, will rejoin our soul to this body, to these bodies, mm. and he will resurrect us. We will get an upgrade. Uh, hey, Jess, I want, <laughs> yeah, I love that upgrade. I love, hey, but yeah, I, yeah I, heard, I heard somebody say, God doesn't give us retreads. He gives us recreations. Amen. Amen. He does. That's what God does. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, uh, the whole recreation in Christ you know, he doesn't start all over, right? He takes what was old and what was corrupted and he transforms it. Yeah. You know, he infuses that grace into us and he, he uh, uh, you know, uh, if uh, we become partakers of the divine nature. You know, that's what I love about the, the, the whole message of the gospel, that God helps man where, you know, God doesn't just throw man away. No, he helps man right where he's at, where man is uh, uh, fallen. God you know, like the commercial, just help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Well, God, <laughs> you know, God is the one who gets us up, you know? I love God it. is the one, yeah, God is the one who says, rise, you know? God is the one who called Peter to walk on the water. Hey, Jess, I wanted to share something yeah, out of, yeah, uh, yeah. just as a reminder, since we're on the topic, this is Luke chapter four. Yes. This is dealing with, um, I'm going to start out with verse four and keep reading. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. left the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Uh, The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And of course, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And here's what I want to get at. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. Mm -hmm. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I just wanted to remind people that this world is under the power of the evil one. Uh, So when we see how this world is systematically rejecting the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and as we move more and more toward atheistic humanism, and we talk about it all the time on the shows, we're, you know, we're going to see, you know, uh, we have to understand that the world and the powers to be, the world governments, they're not being led 
per se, uh, they're not following the Lord. They're under the power of the evil one. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some exceptions in there because God is that if factor. You know, God is the one who, you know, uh, intervenes in, in in humanity and is able to uh, uh, cause all things to work together for good for those that love God. But we need to understand that the devil is in control here in this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Friends with the world, sacred scripture says, is enmity towards God. And we need to remember that we are ambassadors for, uh, you know, an ambassador is someone who represents the motherland because sacred scripture tells us just that our citizenship is in heaven. And I want us to all remember who we are, what our purpose is. We're not here to blend into this world. We're here to be lights set on a hill and the light shines brightest in the darkness. And I want everybody to be fired up to say, yes, I am going to be careful to add to my faith virtue. You see, that virtue that Second uh, Peter talks about, these things that we need to add to our faith are going to make us like Christ. You fired me up, Paul. I love it. Preach it, brother. <laughs> Jesus 911, two-man car. We'll continue talking about real bodies at Bali and the glorified body at the end of time. Jesus 911, stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, Dial 888-526-2151. I don't know about you, but uh, if as a Catholic Christian, I definitely don't want to end up at real bodies at belly like this. I would rather end up an incorruptible like this. I'm just saying, Father Tad, uh, who writes for the uh, National Catholic Bioethics Center, he says, about this real bodies at valleys, he says one potential problem associated with such a display involves consent. In general, consent is very important and should be sought for for organ or bodily donation. Informed consent seems to be a recurrent theme in regards to this exhibition, since some of the bodies which have been on display in the past may not have had convincing documentation of informed <laughs> consent. You think? Yes. Yeah. Se- several of the bodies may have originated from natural disasters in which the victims could not be identified. Hence, one can inquire whether all of the subjects really approved of their new show business careers, or as one commentator, half tongue-in-cheek, mused about the matter, Dear world, please don't let them pump plastic into me and exhibit me naked without half my skin playing tennis. I hate tennis. (laughs) Yeah. Other issues regarding consent are worthy of consideration as well. Obtaining valid informed consent may not be really may not really be possible when children or infants in utero are put on display, even though it is true that medical schools and museums have a rather long history of preserving human fetuses and embryos in formaldehyde for teaching and educational purposes. Again, my my opinion, totally unethical. Okay. Yeah, and not only that, Jess, I see them as taking advantage of uh, poor people because there's a lot of people. They've made burial such an expensive uh, 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 event yeah. 
that a lot of people who really can't afford uh, the funeral expenses, even even cremation is getting, you know, getting ex expensive. So uh, they'll say, hey, listen, don't worry about it. It won't cost you a penny. We'll come over, uh, pick up, uh, you know, the remains, remains of your loved one and and uh, we'll take care of everything. Just sign right here. And so that's exploitation. You're right, Paul. And you said something uh, we were talking before the show. You were saying that a lot of these uh, these people come from China and we know how. Uh, you know how, how China is uh, is the most uh, you know free loving uh, 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 you know liber liberate uh, you know uh, civic minded liberating country of the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Father Tad says obtaining consent from adults, on the other hand, is not necessarily a difficult proposition. The organizer of the Body World exhibit claims that more than six thousand people have already signed the dotted line for their own future plastination. Many individuals are happy to donate their bodies to science. He says, I recall doing dissections as an undergraduate student in an anatomy and physiology class using a cadaver from an elderly lady who had donated her body to science. Such donations are not morally problematic and, in fact, are similar to organ donation. Such mm. organ, organ donation is not only permissible but can be a very generous act. As Pope John Paul II once put it, quote, a particularly praiseworthy example is the donation of organs performed in an ethically acceptable manner with a view to offering a chance of health and even of life itself to the sick who sometimes have no other hope, close quote. But with the display of bodies at the Vegas, uh, real bodies at Bellies, where consent cannot be obtained, when dealing with situations like museums displaying ancient, ancient Egyptian mummies or tourists observing the remaining the remains of believers in the catacombs under Rome, or archaeologists examining skeletal remains exhumed from digs, such consent can probably be presumed, assuming that cer certain conditions are met. So Father Tad says, number one, the remains are not are not being used in a disrespectful manner. Two, there is an educational, spiritual, or inspirational end being re being realized by the use of the remains. Three. There was no indication left by the individuals or the relatives explicitly stating that they did not want the remains to be used in this public service. And number four, the death of the individual was not intentionally caused in order to procure the body or the tissues. Mm. He, he, he ends by saying, whether the use of human bodies in bodies world or bellies will be acceptable will largely depend on intense discussion surrounding the first and second conditions. Are the bodies being posed provocatively or being made to engage in immoral activities while on display, or are they set up in, in respect in respectable, fundamental, fundamentally decent poses? Since it is a public display, are the actions presented appropriate for public viewing, including children? These are some of the further questions we may need to consider when trying to decide about the moral acceptability of such an exhibition. There may also need to be assurance that the bodies on display or parts from those bodies that were removed during their preparation will ultimately be properly disposed of either through burial or through cremation as a sign of our respect for the remains of the body. Well, you know that. Yeah, right. Happen, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, right. They, uh, that, uh, that's the last thing on their mind, giving them a, a, yeah. a dignity. Yeah. And the last paragraph says, the fact, Father Ted writes, the fact that the traveling cadaver exhibit has already drawn more than 18 million visitors worldwide exhibits a deep-seated fascination 
with understanding our own bodies. One might even argue that such an exhibit could prompt some soul-searching and further discussion of human frailty and the meaning of our own mortality. Along the same lines, an exhibit which reveals a human child in utero by a simple cutaway can serve to powerfully remind visitors about the reality of the pro-life message, namely that children in the womb are not blobs of protoplasm, but rather are our brothers and sisters at an earlier developmental stage. In the words of one observer, quote, if young women had windows on their stomachs so they could see into their own wombs, the number of abortions would decline drastically, close quote. Mm-hmm. So the body world's exhibit does, does seem to afford a unique opportunity to open a window unto the inner workings of the human body in a way that straddles a line between enlightening and edgy. My take, Paul, they're trying to be edgy. They're not trying to enlighten anybody. They're trying to be provocative. They're provocateurs. They're trying to be uh, edgy. And I think this is also an anti-life message, which there's, I think this is a way of the devil saying, well, the Catholics are always talking about the dignity of the human body and proper burial and giving a dignified burial. You know what? Fool you to those Catholics. We're going to take our display on the road. We're going to get one of the biggest hotels in Las Vegas. And we're going to show that the, there's no big thing attached to the body. There's no big, there's no soul. Yeah, look, yeah. We'll, we'll put these bodies on display. Do you see a ghost in there somewhere? Do you see a soul in there somewhere? There's no soul. Yeah. All you are is a bunch of protoplasm and cells and, and you know, atoms, uh, you know, traveling at, at, at the speed of life, slamming together that looks like a body. There's nothing at the end of your life. Look at these people right here. There's no afterlife. To me, this is, this is a way to undermine the faith of especially neophyte believers. And this sh- demonstrates, Paul, that we're living in a post-Christian United States of America. Oh, without a doubt. Post-Christian world, yes. Post-Christian world, since we know that the church has shaped the Western world as we, you know, uh, the world that we grew up in and, 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 and know and understand. Uh, it's clear. Listen, it's clear to anybody that Christianity has been under attack for a very long time, Jess. Uh, We know that liberalism and modernism has crept in and it has begun to change and manipulate the gospel message. Uh, Sacred scripture tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, right? But yet what we see right now going on is we see more and more uh, Christianity beginning to try to conform and uh, with the world to be uh, uh, one with the world, and you can't be one with the world because we're one with Christ. See, Christianity and the church. The church is the body of Christ. The church is always at opposition with the world. Christ was a stone of stumbling, just like the church should be a, a you know a stumbling block to this world. We should be the reality check for the world, but instead we see more and more individuals uh, within the church uh, embracing worldly ideas. And uh, no, nothing new there, Jess. Uh, if you remember at the time of Christ, uh, the, the, the Old Testament church, which was Judaism, uh, uh, many in, you know, you know, in the religion of God, and it was the one true religion uh, of, of the world, had conformed and, be, and became partners 
in partnership with the world. And that's what we see going on right now as we get closer and closer toward the second advent of Christ. We see more and more corruption, more and more um, uh, tolerance for these unchristian ideas. That's right, Paul. And, and, and this is exactly where we're at right now in world history. And, you know, uh, we have, we can't run away from it. We just got to embrace the reality. God knew why he created you for such a time as this. And as Catholics, uh, come what may, we have to, we have to lift high the banner of Jesus Christ. We have to be countercultural. And, and, and again, our hope doesn't come from science anyhow. Okay. Our hope has always come from the virtue of hope comes from believing in the promises of Jesus Christ, the son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's where our hope comes from. And his promises are plentiful. His promises are many. His promises are one of them is that he's going to recreate our bodies. When Jesus comes back at his second coming, guess what? The prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, 1 to 14, John the Apostle, John 5, 25 to 29, says that all the graves on planet Earth will open up and all the dead will rise and they will stand tall before the Lord. The entire Mm. world will be called, will be stand before the Lord. This is called the general judgment. Matthew 25, Mm. 31 to 46, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. Our Protestant brothers call it the great white throne judgment. means the same thing. and, And here's what it is. If your soul's in heaven, your body that will come out of the ground, it will be glorified. And it will reunite with your soul once again forever in heaven. If your soul's in hell, your damned monstrous body will rise from the dead and we'll, we'll reunite with your soul once again forever in hell. We'll talk more about this on the next segment. Jesus 911, stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. We're going to talk about the positive aspects, not about real bellies at body. There's nothing positive there. We're going to talk about the resurrected. Paul, check your email. I, I, I send you uh, just uh, something right now that's relevant to the last segment. It's called okay. the, uh, the, the, the Four Characteristics of the Resurrected Body. So... The Catholic Church has taught us how will our bodies be in heaven? Once you, if you die in a state of grace, your soul's in heaven, or it's been purified through purgatory, and your soul is now in heaven. When you receive your body, how will your body be? This is 2,000 years of Catholic teaching. You probably won't mm-hmm. hear it very many places anymore. There's four characteristics to the, to the glorified body. Number one is called clarity. Number two, it's called agility. Number three, it's called subtlety or fineness. And number four, it's called impassibility. Here's your body in heaven. This is going to put, this is just going to put hope in your heart. What does clarity mean? The glorified body, it will be beautiful, emulgent, mm. radiant. Yes. Everyone will be exquisitely beautiful. Everyone, and, and, and every man will be exquisitely handsome. 
more beautiful or handsome than you ever been in this lifetime. <laughs> forward to, hey, just looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, Daniel chapter 2, verse 3, it says, And those who are, are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Wow, first John first John 3 2 beloved we are God's children now it does not appear what we shall be but we know that when he appears we shall be like him for oh, we shall see him as he is <laughs> Romans yes. 6 5 for yes. if we have been united with him in a death like him we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So these are the verses that the church has traditionally used to say that the, that, that the glorified body will possess what's called the gift of clarity. Paul, what's the second gift that we're going to possess in heaven? The second gift is agility, as you mentioned previously. The ability to move with the speed of thought. If you want to take a trip to the moon, you just think of it, and you're there. After the resurrection, Jesus moved from Jerusalem to Palestine to Emmaus with the speed of thought. We will have the same agility of thought, just like an angel. You think about it, and you're there. You know, uh, Jess, uh, that's exactly right, because and this is what people forget. We are going to be like Christ. Uh and, uh, you know, and God shares his goodness. He share, you know, we're his children and he wants, you know, uh, uh, my wife and I, you know, we do the uh, uh, devotion, the, the imitation of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's what we want to do. We want to imitate Christ. We want to be like him in every way. You know, we're far from it now. But guess what? We, we you know, we get up to the plate and every day and we try more and more to be more and more like Christ because um this is what he's called us to do in this world. Uh, Luke 24, uh, 30 through 31, when he was uh, at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished out of their sight. And of course, that was the uh, road to Emmaus where uh, they recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread and he was gone. That's the uh, gift. That's the gift of agility we saw right there in the glorified body of Christ. Yep, and we also saw with the Ethiopian eunuch, you know that, uh, and that was that that was uh, 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 something that uh, just God intervened, but showing that listen, uh, God can cho choose to bless any of us with that anytime He chooses. Amen. the The third characteristic of the resurrected body in heaven. As per 2,000 years of Catholic teaching, we will have the characteristic of what's called subtlety or fineness. What does that mm. mean? It means the ability to come penetrate matter. So in heaven, nobody bumps into somebody else. Nobody stubs their toe. <laughs> nobody hits their funny elbow. Nobody steps on somebody else's foot. Where does yes. this come from? John chapter 20 verse 26 it says eight days later his disciples were again in the house and thomas was with them the doors the doors were shut but jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you 
So we see here Jesus Christ in his glorified body walked through the wall or the mm. door, but he walked through matter. That's the same yes. type of glorified body we will have in heaven. It's called subtlety or its fineness. The last one is the, my favorite one, Paul, if you could share with the audience. Yes, impassibility. You can't, you can't suffer uh, no pain, no tears, no aches, no depression, no anxieties, no fears, uh, 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 no weight problems. How about that? No wrinkles, <laughs> no baldness. Uh, hey, like I said, I got a lot to look forward to, Jess. <laughs> but uh, as we know, this comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses 4 to 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be their mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Uh, and he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Also, Amen. he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You know, Jess, uh, I'm so looking forward to what the Lord has for us. For eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. Uh, I, I can't wait. And that's why I don't want to be short-sighted, Jess. I want to keep my focus. I want to keep my eye on the prize. Uh, I don't want to be corrupted. The Bible talks a lot. Go back and read First uh, and Second Peter about just avoiding the corruption of the world. And how do we do that? Well, we hide ourselves in the cleft of the cross, right? We unite ourselves, uh, 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 you know, to Christ in such a way that uh, he brings us through these trials and tribulations. And uh, I just want to encourage everybody, hey, we have a hope that the world does not have. And we don't need to be distracted thinking that somehow uh, we're going to, um, um, you know, that this world is our home and that everything is falling apart. No, no. Jesus is going to come back and make all things new. That's when things are going to really change. That's right. And two other verses I'd like to add for the gift of impassibility, which bas basically means this. You, you will never suffer again. You can't suffer. Your body's not going to get you're, you're, no doctors, no nurses, no hospital, yes. no Fauci, uh, you know, medical dictators, no pharmacist, uh, no medication, no big pharma companies, because nobody gets sick in heaven. There's no suffering. <laughs> That's called the gift of impassibility. So if you're a doctor in heaven, you're going to be unemployed. If you're a yes. nurse here on earth, you're going to be unemployed. Uh, and by the way, if you're a cop here, you're going to be unemployed in heaven because there's no crime in heaven. Uh, but another verse that backs up the gift of impassibilities in Isaiah 25, verse 8 to 9. The Bible says, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away, uh, will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people he will, take, he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will, be mm. said on, it will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for Him, that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Another Bible yes. verse, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and again, mm. there's no suffering in heaven, no depression, no anxieties. Matthew seven seventeen. So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. In heaven, everybody will be sound. So all the fruit in heaven is sound fruit. Uh, there's no bad fruit in heaven. Paul, the last thing I want to jump up to the first gift was clarity, and I forgot to mention it, is that 
St. Thomas Aquinas taught this back in the 13th century, and every pope has supported this ever since mm-hmm. he taught it. And it, it also has biblical support as well. But St. Okay. Thomas, he taught that the perfect age is 33 years old. Why did he teach that? He said because it's the age that Christ had attained when he died and rose from the dead at the age of 33. Therefore, St. Thomas, he posited that everyone in heaven, all the saints in heaven, will have a body like a 33-year-old body in heaven. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body. He's 33 forevermore. We're the body of Christ in heaven. We will be perfected and be like Christ. The body of Christ will be 33 years as well. And once again, I think there's some biblical support for that as well, Paul. Yeah, I think there's some natural support for it. Don't they say that when a boxer's 33 years old, he's in his prime? (laughs) That's right. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah, they say he's in his prime right there. You know, he's not too old, He's not, but he's he's just right. And so, uh, listen, Jess, what sort of people ought we to be? Filled with hope, right? Filled with hope. Why? Because we have this beautiful knowledge uh, of everything that the Lord who, uh, uh, first of all, we know the Lord is faithful. He's good on his word. If he says it, take it to the bank. If you're out there today, if you're looking at all the horrible things that are going on in the world and you're just wondering what is going on, it seems like we're just losing this. Uh, No, we're not. Uh, this is nothing more than a test for us. This is our opportunity to show that we are truly what God has called us to be. Uh, light. Uh, he called us to be uh, lights into this world. He called us to be the salt of the earth, right? Uh, but the, yeah, the, that salt, Jess, is just, uh, it's it just, uh, we're to be a changing agent. We're to be affected. Whenever you put salt on something, Jess, it makes it salty. Mm. And that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to go out there and sprinkle that salt everywhere and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that souls may be saved. And if we have to suffer for a little while in the meantime, no big deal. Because guess what? It's just for a little while. That's right. Catholics, don't don't donate your bodies to real bodies at bellies. Don't do it. Get a Christian <laughs> burial. Don't yes. give your body to Las Vegas. Okay? Yes. Catholics, yes. you guys are children of God through baptism. Catholics, you guys are soldiers of Christ through confirmation. Amen. And when a soldier of Christ gets wounded, go to confession and get healed. A soldier of Christ that wants to be strong, prays three times a day and receives the Holy Eucharist, which is that heavenly manna. That's a wrap, Paul. We're done. Amen. Jesus night was. Yep. We'll see y'all. Uh, up next, Gary Machuda, Hands On Apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for these two uh, retired cops that love the Lord, love Our Lady, we are EOW. End of watch. We're out. <laughs>